0: Welcome to Cherry Avenue true crime Halloween special. In this episode, I have both historic and modern true crime stories for you. They are truly insane. Sometimes when I share a true crime story with you that has happened in relatively recent times, I also share a story from 50 to 100 years ago to show how things don't really change all that much that it really isn't getting worse out there, it's just more reported and more well-known, with all the access we have to quick news, etc. While doing research for this Halloween episode, though, I was glad to find out that some things do change, and in this case, for the better. For quite a time in American history, there was a problem with property owners being upset, extremely upset, over Halloween pranks. There were more than a few young people and children who lost their lives in extremely senseless shootings because of these Halloween pranks or just Halloween celebrating. I was absolutely amazed at how many newspaper reports I found about some young person being shot by a homeowner, farmer, building owner, or some other type of property owner because of Halloween hijinks. It's absolutely nuts. Here are some examples. In 1904, in Westfield, New Jersey, a young boy, John Darling, age 14, was shot and killed. Harold Wilcox was shooting his gun out into the air to scare away Halloween Merrymakers, as they called them, and he ended up hitting the boy in the head, killing him. In 1907, Oak Ridge, Pennsylvania, a Mr. David Bish came out onto his porch with a loaded shotgun to confront Halloween pranksters. Newton Reddington, one of the boys in the prankster group, aged 18, who, according to the newspaper report, evidently did not think the man would fire, and so he made no attempt to get away. Bish did not give any verbal warning. He raised the shotgun and fired directly into the young man, killing him. These are just some of many, many news reports just like that spanning from the late 1800s to at least 1935. In 1889, in Niagara Falls, Ontario, a man shot an 8-year-old boy. The boy died. The boy was with a group of other boys who were participating in a Halloween prank of taking his front gate. I guess Halloween pranks were a bit weirder way back then. Were they going to give the front gate back later? I don't know, but it's definitely not a crime worth being shot dead for. The headline for this one reads just as sad as it is. Halloween murder, a Niagara Falls man shoots a festive kid who assisted in stealing his front gate. Another one is from 1926. This is from the Des Moines Register, Des Moines, Iowa, November 5th, 1926. Jury indicts in Halloween murder case. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Thomas Gorovac, 52, a laborer, was indicted today for first-degree murder by the Portawamie County Grand Jury in connection with the slaying of Eric Cavallis, 18 years old. Karovac shot and killed the youth about a week ago when several boys attempted to overturn an outbuilding at the rear of his home as a Halloween prank. He confessed to shooting but said he thought he fired in the air. This one is from 1904 and it takes place in Port Huron, Michigan. Angry Michigan farmer kills one, wounds seven other tragedies. Roy Lindsay is dying, and seven other young men are nursing shot wounds, which they received last night during a Halloween lark at Smith's Creek near this city. The young men, accompanied by several others who were not wounded, had gone to the farm of Joseph Lambeer, who, it is claimed, threatened previous to Halloween, that any pranks attempted at his expense would be severely punished. The young men had just stepped through his gate, it is alleged, when Lambert and his three hired men fired on them with shotguns from behind a straw stack. Lindsay fell fatally wounded, and the other seven dropped to the ground with shot wounds. Halloween pranks were so expected that some other type of tragedies happened also. This was in 1904, Columbus, Ohio. Thinking that a body laying across the track was just a Halloween dummy, motorman John Delavan did not stop his main street car last night until a life had been crushed out. The body of the man is yet unidentified. This one is from 1935 on Halloween and is still continuing on with the tragic and senseless shootings uh, theme on Halloween. This takes place in Latour... Uh, Missouri. A school superintendent shot and killed a recent graduate while trying to frighten Halloween pranksters. This is from the Democrat and Chronicle, Rochester, New York, November 5th, 1935. School head faces murder charge for Halloween slaying of pupil. Latour, Missouri. A bewildered country school superintendent, Charles F. McClure, 33, secluded himself last night while the Latour School board demanded his resignation, and authorities prepared a first-degree murder charge against him for the Halloween slayings of one of his students. "'I don't know what I am going to do,' said McClure, now under a manslaughter charge for the death of Glenn Aldridge, 19, postgraduate high school student. "'I've been there four years, and we've never had any trouble before,' he said at the home of his mother in nearby Holden, Missouri. The whole affair was just a regrettable accident.' McClure insists Aldridge was shot accidentally when the superintendent and Clarence Hay, 23, principal of the school, tried to frighten Halloween pranksters. Hay submitted his resignation yesterday after the school board voted unanimously to ask him and McClure to quit for the good of the school, the community, and the teachers. McClure said he might return to Latour today. I don't intend to do anything about my resignation until then, he said. The prosecuting attorney, Wallace Cooper, declared at Warrensburg yesterday that a weekend investigation led him to the decision to change the charge to first-degree murder. The superintendent is at liberty under a $5,000 bond. His preliminary hearing is set for November 19th. There are many, many more just like this and the others that I found in the papers. There was just this crazy ongoing trend of property owners going outside and either randomly shooting in the area or directly shooting into Halloween revelers or Halloween pranksters. Either way, I think we can all be glad that this type of trend is not going on anymore. Now, onto to something a little bit different Halloween Terror. Two convicts hide in Houston home. This is from the Denton Record Chronicle, Denton, Texas, November 2, 1950. Halloween Terror two convicts hide in Houston home. A 19-year-old housewife told of a Halloween night of terror when two escaped convicts, one armed with a knife, hid in the attic of her home. The long-term prisoners Douglas Petliss, 28, and Marion Fowler, 25, were arrested yesterday as they fled across the street after leaving the house at mid-morning. The two men and another convict escaped from Darrington State Prison Farm near Angleton Tuesday, after tying up a Texas A&M college official, a guard, and eight convicts with haywire. Mrs. Wanda Weaver said she found the two men in her attic Tuesday night when she returned home from watching a group of youngsters celebrate Halloween. She said she was afraid to call police because one of the men threatened to kill everyone in the house if I gave him away. One of them pressed a knife against her back. With Mrs. Weaver in her home, were her 13-year-old sister her mother-in-law, Mrs. Pearl Weaver, 65, and her two children, Jack Raymond, Jr., 2, and Jerry Wayne, age 1. Her husband, J.R. Weaver, Sr., 35, was at work at night as a machinist at a tool company. Early Tuesday morning, Mrs. Weaver took the two boys and fled after her sister left for school. She found her husband eating breakfast at a nearby restaurant. They notified police and patrolman A. Hagelminden arrested the two convicts. The trio escaped from a cooperative experimental farm where there were eight convicts aiding Dr. O. E. Carthen to install two windmills. First of all, in that case, she was 19 and her husband was 35. What? Those really were different times, or this was just a different type of arrangement, but either way, ick. 1950, not that long ago. I tried to find out some more about the convicts, what they did to get in prison, etc., but nothing else there had been scanned in yet. The next stories are about two different killers in two different times and two different parts of the country who first did their killings and then got little children ready to go out trick-or-treating. Halloween, 1998. In 1998, Nakia Jones... Husband Eddie and their two small children had recently moved into a new home in a very nice neighborhood, Rita Ranch, in Tucson, Arizona. Everything should have been good for that holiday season, but it was not. That Halloween morning, at 11 a.m., a woman came to the door of their home. Nakia was a young mother of 23, and she was home alone with her two small daughters, then two and four. The woman was Brandy Ann Rocker, 26. She immediately confronted Nakia about getting $160 back that she said Nakia's husband, Eddie, owed her. She also claimed to be pregnant by Nakia's husband. Brandy had also called Nakia the week before and harassed her over the phone. There was a struggle in the living room and a hammer that was there for hanging pictures was grabbed. Nikia Jones testified that she didn't really clearly remember the fight that ensued. What did happen is that Brandy Ann Rocker died of blunt force trauma to the head. She suffered somewhere between 4 and 13 blows. But no one would know this until the next day. After the fight was over and Brandy was lying there, Nakia tried to reach her husband but was unable to get a hold of him. She eventually ended up leaving the body in the house and took her daughters out trick-or-treating. The next day, although it was unclear how it happened, a family member called the police and they came to the house and found the body. At first, they thought the fight had happened that very day, but eventually understood it happened the day before, on Halloween, and that the body had lain there for almost 24 hours. Nakia Jones told them it was self-defense. It was Brandy Ann Rocker who came to Nakia's home to confront her. Nakia had not gone to Brandy's home. The hammer was found at the scene of the crime. Jones was charged with first-degree murder, but jurors found her guilty of the lesser offense of second-degree murder and was sentenced to 16 years. The judge cited aggravating factors being the high number of injuries inflicted on the victim. The fact that Jones left the victim in the house 24 hours and never called for medical help and the impact on the victim's family. For mitigating factors, Jones had led a law-abiding life before the slaying, expressed remorse, and there was a high degree of provocation by the victim. An unidentified supporter got up and accused Jones's husband, Eddie, of being responsible for what had happened. And she has a point. He may not have killed that woman, but if he had not been off doing things he shouldn't have been, than that woman would never have been in their lives, let alone knocking on the door of the home of his wife and two little daughters. Yelling continued out the courtroom doors after the trial ended and as the crowd moved on, and deputies were all around trying to calm things down. Halloween 2012. In 2012, John D. White was living in a trailer park and had become romantically involved with a female resident who lived in the same park. He sometimes would babysit for his girlfriend's three-year-old grandson. Why a woman would let a man she is dating babysit for her grandson is beyond me. Possibly it was because he was a pastor in a local church and she thought that that made him more trustworthy. Possibly, she did not know that he had previously been in prison for murdering one woman and for the attempted murder and stabbing of another. But even if she did not know that, she still shouldn't have let him babysit, especially in 2012, with all that we know about the predators that are out there. Amazingly and thankfully, this story is not about a child being hurt because his caregivers trusted the wrong person or persons. Unfortunately, though, this is still a sad and horrific tale. Halloween day, John D. White went over to the trailer, but his girlfriend, the grandmother, was not home. Just the three-year-old and his mother, Rebecca Gay. White knocked the mother out with a mallet and then zip-tied her around her neck to strangle her. The three-year-old was in another room while all of this was happening. White was planning on having sex with her dead body after watching videos about necrophilia. He took her body out to the woods, and there are discrepancies in different reports as to whether he actually did sexually abuse the body, or if he was too drunk to do this, or even if he had forgotten to do that to the body as he supposedly told the police. He did put her body in black trash bags and took her out to the woods. He then went back to the trailer and got the little boy dressed up in his Halloween costume and had him ready to go when his dad came to pick him up to go trick-or-treating. White was later convicted of murder and went on to commit suicide in prison. Whatever you are doing this holiday season, be safe and have a happy Halloween. All of the sources are all newspaper reports or online articles. The lists, links, and citations will be included in the notes of this episode.